0: Well, hello there. It's episode 23. Thanks for being here. Hey, don't forget you can rate, review, and share my podcast among people that you may think enjoy stuff like this. I would greatly appreciate it. That would make me feel good. So I know that I've been going through the radio station and grabbing humans that I find very interesting, but honestly, even before this pandemic, I knew I would someday be interviewing Mark Close. He's a legend in St. Louis radio because he's worked at nearly all of them since the early 70s. Mark is full of wit, music history, kindness, and self-deprecation, which is why he is so very loved. I have him listed as best friend in my phone, and he really is one of my best friends. He's very much like John Hewlett. I've gotten to know Mark's family and friend circle and I just appreciate his life and career so much and so that is why I wanted to talk with him. We get into our parallel career history actually um, which is interesting. I never really thought of it before he lays it out and I kind of was picking out things that were similar to my career history here. We also go into some listener-submitted questions and tons of laughs, and it was fun for me to grill him in a more professional way, as we have such a great friendship, and you could tell he was down to have a professional interview, which is, I like that. (laughs) So this was his first podcast, too, ever, so that's kind of fun to be able to say that. So get comfy, because here comes my conversation with Mark Close. Been on a podcast before?
1: No, I've never even I've never even listened to a podcast in my life. Why? You got it. You have to have like an eight track tape player to get it right. No, so, you
0: have to. Ha- you literally have the podcast app already on your iPhone. I do. Yes.
1: Well, look at that.
0: You could essentially listen to this podcast.
1: Well, now I've got one to go tune in. So thank you very <laughs> much. I finally, I, I finally have interest in something. Right.
0: So. Somebody has interest in you, and you have interest in something. So that's that's exactly good. correct. So I wanted to interview you because last time, uh, well, let's see, the last episode I did with somebody that you would know was with John. And so mm-hmm. I, on my podcast, I like to go male, female, male, female. So there's no, it's very liberal. There's not one sex dominating the message, right?
1: I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> I qualify as male. One of the few things that I qualify for. So.
0: so you are the male, uh, and this will be out on uh, June 20th. And so we're recording this. On the 18th, so just in a couple of days. So this is a fresh one. And you and I have worked together at Casey for 12 years.
1: Has it been that long? It's been that okay. long. That's how okay. long I've been here. All right.
0: And so, but wh- what is your actual number in radio? Wh- what is your year of being a radio disc 48 duck? years. 48?
1: Yes, 48.
0: What was the first station you worked for?
1: Casey, 95.
0: And that year would have been?
1: 1972.
0: 72. Yep. Yeah. What do you, what's the first thing that you remember about walking into that little cinder block building in Crestwood?
1: Well, I've told the story numerous times, so I apologize if it if you've heard it before. Anyway, I went and I applied, and I applied at Casey because I lived in Crestwood. Mm-hmm. And it's the only location of a radio station I knew. Yeah. Uh, so I just I just got a wild hair one day thinking, hey, I want to be a DJ. Right. So I went in, applied. We don't have any openings. I came back like six days in a row. And on the sixth day, Shelly Graffman said, for the love of God, you got a job. Just show up. So I was going to Merrimack Community College at the time, I guess, maybe a second year for whatever it was. So he goes, all right, you need to be here Monday at one o'clock. By the way, I started for $25 a week. Awesome. It was a major coin. So <laughs> back in the day, you know, I'm going to work on my new job. My parents would make sure you dress nice. So I had on my best double knits and a really nice shirt. Everything
0: was polyester.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And so I go walking in, and Shelly's there, and he's like, "I got a, I got something big," and I'm like,
0: "Oh my god, this you is know,
1: it. I'm doing afternoon drive. I'm interviewing, you know, Jimi Hendrix, something along those lines." <laughs> um, so he goes in, and, and the for anybody who ever seen the building, it was a little crappy cinder block building in Crestwood, and he walked me around the back end. Also, I should say that the antenna was there, the uh, the, the, the transmitters were there, the studios. The whole shooting match was right in that little spot mm-hmm. in Crestwood. So Shelley walks me around the back of the building, points to doors, and he goes, you know what's in there? I go, no. And he goes, those are the transmitters. And I'm like, oh. And he goes, those got to stay on the air. So I'm thinking, I hope he knows I'm not a chief engineer. Right. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. He goes, and every time it rains, water runs down behind the back of this building. And I go, okay. And he goes, if that water gets into that transmitter room, we're off the air. And, and I'm you're like, fired if it yeah, gets in there. yeah. So at that point he handed me a shovel and said I need a drainage ditch. And I dug like a thirty five foot drainage ditch from one of the building back to the back to the end. So that was as I started I, I you know, started below sea level and radio and worked my way up.
0: I feel like that's something that Dads of daughters do to the boyfriends when they come over for the first time to prove that they are adequate enough to date the daughter.
1: I it very well (laughs) back in the day, well, we laugh about this because Johnny Hewlett, Right. I got there in seventy two. John got there in seventy six. John was the first person hired by Casey. With radio experience. How frightening is that? It's terrifying. Back in the day, most of the guys would start as grunts or gophers, and you would deliver bumper stickers. you get people lunch. Right. I used to drive. kids, uh, Shelly's kids, I drove them to camp. I helped them move out of his Uncle house. Mark. I took I took dogs <laughs> over to people's houses in Illinois so the, what? my general manager could go on vacation. <laughs> he goes, you need to take the dogs over. I mean, I was doing, it, it was everything and anything. And then... Shelly would put a schedule up for the weekend, and back then we did six-hour shifts, noon to, you know, like midnight to 6 a.m., 6 and you would just hope to see your name on that weekend air shift, and that's how you kind of worked your way up from that
0: Now, point. you didn't know with any regularity if you would be on that list? Like, what New. was Shelly's, you know...
1: Kind of a reward situation, uh-huh. I think, if you did a nice job and you did emptied enough waste cans, which I excelled at, um, and then after a while, then you would get like a regular air shift. On a weekend air shift, and I did that, and uh, for like probably two and a half years, I was working seven days a week, doing the deliveries during the week, being a big time, you know, I'm I'm a radio star on Saturday, and I'm taking out the garbage on Monday. Yes, humbling. Yeah, I finally went to Shelly and said, you know, I've been working seven days for two and a half years. He's like, I was wondering when you were going to come to me, and I'm like, so I got a day off, so there you go.
0: So after... That first stint with Casey, what's the next station that you went to?
1: Well, I was uh, I stayed at Casey the first time around about thirteen years, seventy two to eighty three. I was doing mornings. John Euland was my newsman. Mm, um, again, we only hi- <laughs> we only hired the best, and uh, um, I was thirty years old, and people were telling me you're too old to play rock and roll. What? <laughs> Imagine oh that. God. So I went to X, which you talk about a quantum leap. To go from Casey Radio to KMOX. I went down there. I was just doing little tidbits and stuff on air, and then I got Afternoon Drive, and I was on um, with Bob Osborne for Afternoon Drive uh, for about six months, and I realized this is just for not for me. Uh, and at that point, Casey got sold, and new owners came in. I talked to them. Then I also talked to the people at KWK, mm-hmm. and I ended up going. It was a bunch of old Casey people that went to KWK, and I went to work at KWK doing mornings down there.
0: Now, you have jumped day parts, and so I just recently I, – I have now worked every day part, except for overnights, I guess, like midnight. Right. But I did a couple of those when I was getting started too. What is your – out of all of the day parts that you've done, morning, middays – afternoon drive overnights what is your favorite time to be on the air okay
1: i've never done overnights and i've never done seven to midnight
0: oh you haven't okay Uh,
1: right so it's been probably what i'm doing now the 10 to 2 is nice because you know that getting up stuff i did it for a long time and that just screws with you after a while it just messes you up um afternoon drive is great also i enjoyed doing that for a long time uh, but yeah, middays are you get to sleep in, you get off, you can still go out and play with your friends afterwards. Right. So yeah, it's it's a nice gig. It's a nice gig.
0: So KWK years, you didn't last. I think it was less than a year, right? About a year. Yeah.
1: And the reason is that uh, we were uh, competing with Casey at right. the time. Rock and uh, Bess. That's it. And our program director walked in one day, and we were playing. We were playing good classic rock music. And he walked in, he gave me a stack of cards, and we used to play music, it looks like eight tracks, Mm -hmm. and and he goes, you need to work these into the format, and I go, okay, and it was Prince and Madonna, Mm. and I'm like, oh no, man, this is St. Louis, they don't, you know, you either rock and roll or you don't, oh no, 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 you need to do this, Wow. so I had to do it, and of course, people were calling, close, your music sucks, I go, dude, it's
0: not my fault, it's not
1: my fault, so. That was um, the
0: beginning of DJ's not actually jockeying disc anymore. Exactly,
1: exactly. And so I had uh, when I had left KWK. People th- said that I got fired. I didn't. I had quit. So I quit on the air uh, on you KWK. Did? I came on and said, "Listen." Uh, I've enjoyed my time here, but I've decided I'm just going to move on. Thanks to everybody here. I appreciate it, and then I moved on.
0: Oh, my God. I think that is in the back of every radio personality's head, is sure. quitting on air. Right, And right. just saying what, the last thing that you're ever going to say, and just saying it, right. and then just, bye.
1: Right. And I also knew at that point, I was only or in my early 30s. I didn't want to burn bridges. Right. And I love the people I work for. I really got along with them great, but I just knew that the format didn't make sense for what I was doing. Right. So that's when I, you know, told them on air, at I'd be leaving.
0: Now, what was the next thing you did?
1: That was WMRY over in uh, Illinois 101, which is owned by the Missionary Oblates of St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs> they
0: let you in?
1: Yes. <laughs> amazingly enough, I went over and I, I had listened to them and all they were running was public service announcements. Mm-hmm. And then one they used to run an ad I called, radio is red hot. Call now. In other words, they're dying. They weren't getting any right. ads. I went over and said, listen, let me do morning drive. I'll bring my own music. You don't have to pay me. Let me sell my own commercials.
0: This is when you became a salesman.
1: Exactly. And, you know, their first thought was, oh, you're going to be playing demonic rock and roll. I go, no, no. I know you're owned by the Catholic Church. No Black Sabbath. Nope. I won't mess with you that. So I went over, took like, I had at that point probably 7,000 records Mm -hmm. that I'd gotten over the years at KC that...
0: Back in the day, copies.
1: promotional copies. Every every jock on the air, we get a copy of every record came wow. out. So I had like seven thousand. Brought them with me. Went over there. Started doing mornings. um And then uh, we they were still playing like smooth jazz the rest of the day. I started March of '85, and then by like January of '86, the whole station flipped over to rock.
0: Wow.
1: So yeah, it was fun, and that was totally free form jock could play whatever they wanted to play Mm -hmm. you know the only rule i had because i was acting pd at the time too and i said just every other song's got to be semi-recognizable so you keep them yeah in other words and it it could be it it could be john mellencamp it doesn't have to be heard so good but you got to know it's john mellencamp some guys got it some guys didn't so i had to let one guy go because he played three songs in a row by the who do gurus one of oh. the big time rockers of all time they so.
0: were very good oh yeah in the they 80s. were
1: yeah three in a row thank you so, so then so.
0: after that when did you come back because i imagine soon we get back to k k-hits era right oh uh, like, no
1: no oh no we still the, got oh uh my God. i had to from there i went to ksd 93 right. 7 which is classic rock then i also worked at knjz which was a jazz station then I worked at WW 770 which is an AM radio station. Then I worked at 550 KTRS, or it was KSD. That was an AM radio station. What am I leaving out? This interview um, would
0: probably be easier if I said, who have you not it's,
1: worked that It is. It's much easier if you just eliminate those. And then, uh, then I came back to K-Hits, mm-hmm. 96.3, doing mornings in 99. And then Emmis, who had us for all those years in right. K-She, bought it. And I came and I jumped afternoons and I did afternoons on K hits for 10 years, 12 yeah. years, I guess. And then they made through some changes the, <laughs> and then I went and did uh sports radio with Brian McKenna and Vic Porcelli, uh-huh. which I might as well have been doing a ballet update. I had right. no idea what it was. What you was, know about any of that? Nothing, not a You're thing.
0: like me in that regard. Yeah.
1: So we're doing that. I'm selling my own ads and doing that. And then uh, Jeff Allen called me, our, our former boss. And I went to work for our, uh, Dave Glover for down at ninety seven one um, in the afternoon, and I didn't. I had no idea, and that lasted almost ten years.
0: Yeah, and that so, was a long time. That was a
1: long time, especially put up with Glover. So yeah, so for ten <laughs> years, and then. uh And then uh, decided to call it quits for full time. Mm -hmm. Talked to Tommy, came over, started part time back on Casey again. Then we did the change, and you went to afternoons and all. Then they said, Are you interested in in middays? I told my wife, and she immediately started doing cartwheels throughout the house. I'm like, Exactly. So uh, I did that, came back full time, and there we are, up to date at this point.
0: Well, that brings me to a listener question. A guy named Bob Bob Lombardi asks, Why did you unretire to come back to Casey?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's. I ask myself that question every day when I'm, I'm sitting here. <laughs> um, you know, we, the first thing we got to. This ain't heavy lifting. I'm not out laying asphalt. No, I'm not killing you're not myself.
0: Ditches anymore. Exactly. Right.
1: Sixty seven years old. I come and I do my thing. They couldn't be nice. You know what part of it is? It's what? hanging with you guys. Yeah. Just, you know, I come in with Johnny, we laugh our asses off. I, know. I mean, we do our vinyl exam, and it's just, it's just stupid. Old stories, that's what guys do when you get old. You grow you tell hair. the
0: same 10 stories. Yeah, of grow hair idea.
1: in your ears and your nose right. and tell stupid stories. And which we so I enjoy doing that. As I said, that midday shift is sweet. You know, in a 10 out of two right. it's it's so and i it's fun being going back and playing some of the stuff and just kind of reliving those years so yeah that part's fun. i'm
0: happy that you came back because i you know the history of casey and the sale emma sold all of their stations and half of them went to intercom and half of them went to hubbard broadcasting which is right. where we're at now with hubbard broadcasting um and like you know to break up those four stations was really tough because everybody was even though they were all different stations it was such especially for me like at this point you know working there for a decade it was like everybody got to know each other whatever day part you were in those are the people that you knew and had inside jokes with and stuff and so you know it, it was one thing to it was really sucky for that moment in time like everybody breaking the band up and everybody going their separate ways but then um you retiring from the Glover show, you know, I know that that was, that was emotional for those guys. Cause you did, you were there with them for a decade mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, but I, I had so much joy in my heart whenever you decided that you were like, you know, you didn't want to necessarily be in heavy radio anymore, which right. not saying Glover's heavy. Right. I've never
1: it, been a political guy. right? I just never have been. And when we, when we did our stupid joke stuff, I, I just enjoyed that yeah. and The political stuff I could add, but. It's not It's not one of my favorite things to yeah, talk
0: about. Yeah, you love music. You, exactly. I and mean, that's where your exactly. roots are. And so I think coming back to Casey, you know, and I think this for John, too, I think that this station, particularly for veteran DJs who started here, um, this is a perfect place to, you know, in quotes, retire into your... Last um, chapter. Right. Know, before right. you guys die. <laughs> no. Well, um, you were
1: trying to be nice about I knew I you were going to go there. Well, hey, yeah. I wish I was I, in my 60s. No, no. I
0: wish I was like, I had that long jet Because, I mean, Casey is the only station that I, the full time station that I've worked for. I, mm. I had one station, WBBE, up in Bloomington, Illinois, for a brief, maybe even three months. And then I got in here, and I I was very much like you, the grunt work that you had to do. I I never had to dig a ditch. But, man, I had to—I mean, working in the promotions department and, like— They are the hardest work out of everybody. They are the hardest working department in radio, is the promotions department. Right.
1: Whenever you hear a live broadcast and they're out somewhere, the fact that the promotion department started out on it three, four weeks ago to make sure everything is set up right, your engineering guys are taking care of it. So, no, you are absolutely correct on that.
0: So, that's the grunt work position. And you know what? I feel like I was kind of the last era of, hey, if you work your ass off and you are dirty when you go home and you, you know, you've worked a 12 hour day standing and working three broadcast remotes and, you know, putting up with wild listeners and whatnot, you know, then you can graduate into whatever your dreams are here. You know, I see a lot of people that they get into the hard labor aspect of radio and they don't necessarily have that grunt work degree that graduates them into, hey, you want to be on air? Like, it's just a very weird, it's a different time than it it has been
1: right well and it's nice having that background too because again when you're out delivering bumper stickers or working their promotions you see you you see the audience you talk to the audience and all of a sudden you're talking to the audience when you're on the radio and that's the other thing too is with Kashi uh I know we mentioned we haven't done a while it's the longest running rock station on the planet Mm -hmm. I mean not just in the U.S. or St. Louis in the world right no one's been around longer the fact that People will, I'll get calls, I'll get emails from people like, man, you remember when, you know, uh, quite often they're hallucinating and we didn't do that. But for the most part, it's people that we got together. I saw them at a concert or something. I mean, you know, it's, it's, man, oh, man, it's been a long, long time and those people are still listening to Mm -hmm. Keishi. And, you know, they go back and they look at the t shirt you gave me 35 years ago. I used to do a joke in the morning, it was the joke of the day. And people would send it in, and mm-hmm. they were just terrible jokes.
0: Right, dirty jokes.
1: No, no, not no? dirty. No, a little bit, but mostly just stupid. Yeah. And I would make them really long. I would drag them out, and if we played <laughs> your joke, we read you. To, we gave you a. It was like a two-pound chocolate microphone from Mavrocos Candy oh here in St. God. Louis, and that's what you get. I still talk to people that have that microphone in their freezer it's sitting in their freezer oh it's hell yeah it looks like hell but to them it's like i could never eat it it's like you're on the top of your wedding cake or something but (laughs) for those people that's that's really cool and when people you know the kids oh i guess you're tired here no no when people don't come up to you then you're in trouble then you go and become a cpa or something so yeah
0: shout out to all the cpas listening yes um that brings me to another listener question Mike Eichelhart says, Mark, is it true that you attempted an on-air interview with the German ba- band Lake, and they didn't speak any English?
1: Yes. Yes, they came in, Lake, Time Bomb, and all that, and they mm-hmm. sing perfect English, which a lot of these bands do from right. different parts of the country. And they came in, and back in the day, the, the it was... A lot of the shows used to play the Old Keel Auditorium were nor- normally four bands. You'd get four bands and it would be Ario and Ted Nugent and all these different guys for $2. Oh, it was ridiculous. It was like 6 7 bucks, whatever <laughs> it was, 4.50. So, it was pretty much open policy that anybody would come in for an interview if they were there. And I did middays for about a year. And I remember the one week I did 25 interviews in one week because we had a show like almost every day. And every one of these guys on the the bill would come in. I used to take a piece of cardboard and write the name of the band, set it next to the mic so I could remember who the hell I was talking to. (laughs) So anyway, so Lake comes in. And, and and Gunther, or whatever, is the lead singer, Gunther. or whatever, Guttar, and I'm like, hey, welcome to St. Louis. He goes, yeah, and I go, oh, so no. you, you dig being here? Yeah, that was it. Every, every question was yeah, and after a while, I'm like, I kind of see a, you know see where we're going here. Right. So we played a lot of Lake music, but oh, they were God. very nice and very friendly. They're just, their English was not so good.
0: On the Run is the song by Lake? On the Run, a time and Time Bomb,
1: and Between the Lines, and great band. And again, you listen to them, they sound like they came out of like, right. you know, potosi missouri or something they, they really just do. yeah i was just yeah. listening
0: to on the run not too long ago and i was like god this is a great song yeah
1: great tune great tune
0: betsy Olson asks why on earth did you buy a laundromat
1: oh no no <laughs>
0: it's a custard stand right i was
1: i had a guess i i thought about it i've always wanted to have like a side business early on i used to spin records at wedding receptions i've eaten more bad Moscacholi, the any human being on earth. Johnny and I did a million of them. Yeah, and uh, so I had my own business doing that. And I thought, okay, I'll jump to this. I looked at a laundromat. I looked at I had vending machines for a while. Those goofy where you put a quarter and the skittles come out. You're an entrepreneur. I had. I'm an idiot. I had some of those. <laughs> uh, And I looked into a couple of laundromats, and then I actually did open a closest custard. In fact, I've still got the sign sitting in my shed at my house. I was right on Manchester Road near 141 inside a front of mine's coffee shop, and I kept it for like four months ago. Whew. This is just not the worth the time. And I, let's put it this way: <laughs> uh, Ted Drew was not, you know, having sleepless nights because of my amount of frozen custards. Right. So, but it was fun to try. So, there's. I've always looked just at different businesses because they always look interesting, and then I get into them and they go straight to hell. So,
0: speaking of value, another question: uh, Brian Karn asks, "Why? What is the most valuable album that you have that you own? Because mm. you do have all these promotional copies, like." Probably the first edition of many yeah. iconic records that have come out. Don't have them. What
1: I went to, when I went to WMRY,
0: you left them there.
1: I they were beat to hell. I mean, you know that from being seeing records right. get played and there's pizza on them around. and fingerprints and and then oh, I oh my god yeah oh yeah I've gotten I I I know I had some really cool picture disc of Abbey Road from the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I had the I had the white version of the white album, the white vinyl. And we played it. We took it to the station and played it until we just wore it out.
0: I am amazed. That, I mean, because that is the investment. That oh, is absolutely. The, those things go for yeah. thousands of dollars. Yeah,
1: yeah. I've got nothing. God. I've. I don't have anything with my voice on it. I don't and This
0: podcast. This will I've got. Be this is going to do last it. Last standing thing.
1: Pictures. You got to remember back in the day, right. these interviews are coming in. Unless you had a professional photographer or somebody with a little cube camera, yeah. there were no phones with cameras in it. So, all those people that I interviewed, every once in a while, a picture will pop up, like me doing Hart or Bob Seeger or mm-hmm. Michael Murphy or something like that. I don't have any copies.
0: Maybe that's why that time is so much more magical than these days because it was such a rarity to hear an interview because it's not like you had the internet to post that interview again. Right, right. Or to see a photo that's in black and white that is clear, you know. No, you had to focus the damn camera. Like, you had to actually right. know how to take sure, a picture. Sure,
1: And we would, I remember the, I did, uh, Rick Wakeman, Yes, came in and played on this. I was doing Saturday night, 6 to midnight. And Rick Wakeman and Yes came in and they played Keel. And he came over after the show. And Rick Wakeman's like 6'6". Mm. He's a giant. And he came in walking in and he had the trash can from the Ramada Inn uh-huh. with him full of ice and like a twelve pack of beer. And I interviewed him on a Saturday night. and We played a bunch. of And it might have been the same time as Six Wives of Henry VIII, which is a solo album that he did. And we sat. and I interviewed him for a couple. Of, he drank all twelve oh and God. didn't even phase him. Did not even phase him. But back in the day, that's you know that's what you did.
0: You, I I always hear people say oh, I've done this drug or drank this with uh, Mark Close and Joniela, mm-hmm. and I always go, you know, you didn't. Yeah, because no. you were sober essentially right like i mean more sober than a lot of people working in radio in the 70s and 80s and 90s like right. why did you uh did you just make a choice not to drink and do drugs in your youth or was it how you were raised or like right. how did you i guess for me i would have had a really hard time like i would probably be dead if i, right. if I was in the 70s because of all of the acid that was going on oh and yeah this, yeah the experimentation of things right so right. how did you how were you still cool and able to hang, but you were like a straight guy?
1: Well, it's I, I just never drank because I didn't enjoy the taste. Mm-hmm. So I never, back in high school, you know, a couple of beers. But even then I was the designated driver right. for all my friends. And I was basically the designated driver for Kashi, you know. And it's just because <laughs> the, the stuff that was going on was craziness and these guys doing that. And I just never really, it never appealed to me. Right. I all my friends were doing it. That's fine. In fact, I, the first time I saw him, First time I saw cocaine was Mick, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac and oh Bob Welsh. And I'm interviewing them for off the record, which was a syndicated show that ran out of California. And what you would do is if they were in town, you interviewed the band and then sent them the tape and they cut off the DJ and put in Mary Turner, who was his big name DJ back uh-huh. in the day. So I got paid like 75 bucks, which is three months rent for me back then. So anyway, I'm interviewing them. we're at the uh, Frontenac right there, at 40 in Lindbergh, yes. the hotel. I'm doing interviewing these guys on tape, and Mick Fleetwood pulls out a fountain pen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's going to, and he unscrews it and taps it out in this white powder. And I'm like, what? Yeah, I had no idea. I thought it was like Anison, crushed up Anison or sure. aspirin or something. I didn't know what it was. And I'm like, wow. And somebody had told me later. In fact, for the longest <laughs> time, I was, I'm so embarrassed to say this. We used to get promotion items from the radio station, cool jackets and t shirts. Yes. One of them was for a band. I can't might have been the babies, but I'm not sure. It was a razor blade oh, God. on like a necklace. And I wore it for a long time. I thought it was like
0: shaving. I yeah, didn't Yeah, you what didn't I had realize it was for cutting I, lines no, of cocaine. I
1: had no idea. And I thought, look at me. And everybody's going, wow, he's pretty wow, cool. That's yeah. probably
0: why everybody thought they did cocaine exactly. with you back then. Exactly, exactly. I'm it's a nerd. But,
1: but I've told people that too, that people would come to me and say like, hey, you remember when I used to come over to the station and you'd be doing overnights and you'd put on a live album and we go out back and do a number and all that stuff. And I'm like, well... And I didn't do the number, and I never worked overnights. Right. But my my <laughs> policy is, unless somebody comes, some goes, hey, Mark, remember the time we murdered that guy right, and buried, buried him in the him? back? Yeah. As long as it's good memories...
0: You say Whatever. I'm happens. happy
1: and I, and and there I'm sure there's stuff that happened that I do not remember but I've gotten that's...
0: into active arguments with middle-aged white men about doing drugs with you where I negate it and I say yes. they didn't do drugs right. like, and, right. so, and then they're like you don't know and it's like this yeah. whole thing and it, like a Philip 66 that happens Well
1: and it's just you know and they and again they they mistake one jock from the other right. and they remember and I used to get that I remember I was I was doing an appearance one time with our buddy Jim Singer, who I worked with at Casey, and it was later on, and some gal came in and just ripped into me and started giving me, and I'm like, "Whoa!" And she goes, "What you did to my girlfriend?" Blah 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 what? blah, and I go, "What did? What are you doing? Yeah, you picked her up, then dropped her off, and let her had to walk home, and blah blah blah." And and she goes, "It would, and I go, "When did this happen?" I go, "No, it wasn't me." And it was somebody that There's just Bob Birch, yeah, probably. Well, hello, <laughs> but it was somebody just walked up and said, "Hey, I'm Mark Close." Back then, they didn't know what we looked yeah, like. That's there was true. no internet. You know, so the guy I'm more close from Casey and he gets this gal and I'm at home, you know, reading the right. Bible or something. And I get reading trouble. the Bible. Reading Ex- the Bible. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like the way it worked
1: in. Thank you.
0: All right. Let's pause so you can okay. do Listener of the Day or Real Rock Army. Okay. And I'll run board for you. Beautiful. You are on mic four. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right. You ready? Mm-hmm.
1: Real Rock Radio, KC95, make it. And ladies and gentlemen, Nirvana for you right there. It's close and it's time for a Real Rock Army. And our newest inductee, it is Shara, S-H-A-R-A, U-A-W girl, Grabenhorst from Moscow Mills, Missouri. Man, there's a mouthful. Uh, She joined the Real Rock Army today. She likes the KC classics. Uh, She likes streaming KC at work. She's a fan of the Lone Classic. I'm with you on that. Like shopping in the KC stuff store and... uh, uh, entering all the KC contests. She's been with the UAW Local 22 for 10 years. Shara, thank you very much. We'll be sending you one of the very cool KC t-shirts. It is a collector's item. she want to hear some great local music. These boys put us on the map way back when. Mama's Pride, Blue Mist on Real Rock Radio, KC 95.
0: Very good. You don't do a music bed when you do a live? Uh-uh. Okay. Nope. How do you count yourself down to 60
1: professional yeah well, that or I'm going 91 and 20 the next and it all works out so all
0: right well um why did you want to be in radio I guess I should have asked you that before all of this
1: yeah it's as I said it was I was probably a freshman over at Merrimack after graduating from Viani. went over there and I had I'd had never even really thought about it. it wasn't one of those kind of things like oh I'm gonna be a DJ and all of a sudden I just got a wild hair and that's why I went to Casey, because I lived in Crestwood. I knew where I was at. And just going and not, not having a clue. And went in, and things kind of worked out. And and I hadn't really even been a big Casey listener up to that point. I was probably more like KXOK, more pop music. Right. So I got into Casey and started listening, and, and you know, it, it just worked out 48 years later.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. that's how it was for me, somewhat. Like, I... I was always a journalism geek in high school and I've always, I always loved writing and I really did think I was going to do like the Cameron Crowe thing where I was going to work for Rolling Stone yeah. and all this. And I, and I really did like aspire to do that. And then whenever I went to junior college over at Swick, um, I took this journalism class and this woman was awful and she made us write obituaries. Like it was an entire cor- like wow. semester, it, it, like at least it felt that way yeah. of obituary writing. Yeah. And I thought I'm not going to work for a local paper. I'm going to be working <laughs> in the New York offices Absolutely. for Rolling Stone, really? obviously. And um and anyway, I started to it actually deterred me from journalism and writing and I started to get really interested in um psychology and I thought maybe I'll be a forensic psychologist and help Wow. Yeah. Like I and I started going down that route. And then it wasn't until I was in I was dating this guy and I had gone to Indianapolis to meet his mom and we like were having a weekend in Indy And, uh, this is probably like my first full year into college. And, um, we had gone shopping and I'm in the backseat of his mom's car and he hadn't gone to college yet. And his mom was kind of giving like doubling down on him. Like, you know, why don't you do this, this, and this? And then she said, suggested to him, you like music and you're personable. Why don't you be a radio DJ? And it was like this lightning bolt went off and I came home from that trip and I told my mom, I go, I know what I'm going to do. And I said, I'm going to be on the radio. And she, my mom's looking at me like, you're going to be unemployed for the rest of your life. And I said, no, I I totally had this because I also had a DJing party business where I rented this equipment from Zarky Music for 50 bucks. I yeah. could rent it. I would charge, you know, 100 bucks to DJ a party. I did like, I wasn't even 21 yet. And I was DJing like 21st birthdays, 40th oh, sure. birthdays, 16 year olds birthdays, getting paid 100 bucks. And then- Getting all like, and I had all my instead of vinyl, like you, I had a massive booklet of all my CDs and sure. I would make mixes and stuff. So it really did kind of turn into this I'm a people person. I because I think there's a lot of psychology that comes with our job. So I still have that psychology interest, music interest, journalistic interest, and it all kind of culminated into this what I do.
1: I should be interviewing you. You're much more interesting than I am. No, I got in. I got in a radio because I knew where the building was located. I mean, if it if it was a hospital, I might be a surgeon right now. Right. I don't even know. That's so, so true. That's the reason I was like, "Where are they at? Well, they're right across from Crestwood Plaza. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. I'll go there. So
0: the serendipity of it all is pretty interesting. That that's yeah. how you got here. Yeah, it, and, and
1: like I said, and I really, you know. I remember, Shelly, you got any experience? No. No. I didn't even thought that would enter the picture. Mm -hmm. But then that's how back in the day, and I still think there's, it's not as easy as it used to be. You don't walk into a radio station anymore now. You know, security and getting through doors and all that. But a great percentage of those guys that I work with did the exact thing. You know, we are all delivering this or doing that or driving around or burning your own gas money or doing. And then just hopefully you would get, I mean, we used to laugh, you would hope that one of the jocks would get sick. You know, and maybe <laughs> add a little something to his drink. So he did. Right. And then you'd be able to fill in for him. And then, you know, you'd start on one shift and then you'd work your way to, to where you wanted to be and kind of go from there. So, yeah, it's it's been a It's been a weird trip. Been a weird trip so
0: I like that a lot. So one last question from a fan. And by the way, the way I got these questions, you are so loved. I don't know. I, t- I told John this, too, in the interview I had with him, and you guys are so humble about it. But I don't – I think because of the longevity of the voices and your temperaments and your musical knowledge and just, you know, the fun thing about radio that I think is much different than television is television's more more um, scripted. It's more – People don't last very long in television because it's such an aesthetic for looks. Um, The thing about you and John specifically, and there's other people too that I'm not mentioning, but the comfort and home-like feel that you guys have in your delivery and your personalities and who you are just as humans is so freaking important to people.
1: Well, and and thank you for that, and I I agree with you, and it's also the fact that people get into a routine mm-hmm. and they get up in the morning and they know that Johnny's going to be on in one form or the other for the last <laughs> 5,000 years. Um, and I, even when I did morning drive, if you would move a feature around, people get all pissed oh, off yeah. because they knew they had to be a certain yeah. distance from where they worked. If they're crossing the bridge and you've moved something, they're all freaked out. Yeah. They do not like the change. And again, as you get older, you
0: hate change. Change
1: is bad. Right. Um, so the fact that you get to... The fact that I've been able to keep my entire career, the fact that I've had a career is crazy in itself. But, you know, early on, even Johnny, Johnny was up in Jeff City, mm-hmm. you know, and they worked at KZK and then yes. moved. I've, you know, I've been in a million. I mean, they're going to have to start making more radio stations in St. Louis so I can go work at them. But I've never <laughs> had to leave the market. I've been able to keep my entire career here in St. Louis, which right. in this business is, is saying a lot. And it's it's the the people, it's the audience out there. And I thank it them for really that. Is. So yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I had posted on my Learn Radio page on Facebook. I said, hey, Mark's going to be my next victim for my podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some questions you had? And I just like tons of people ask questions. And the, the ones that I picked out I thought were the most um, valuable to everybody knowing. And this last one uh, is very interesting because it's a music fan, and his name is Rich Hogan. He asks, my question would be, of all the concerts that Mark has been to, what was the biggest surprise of a band that you thought wasn't that good, but when you saw them, your opinion changed?
1: Billy Preston.
0: Billy Preston. Billy Preston, Who's the fifth. Billy Preston.
1: The keyboard player, the fifth Beatle, plays oh, electric. Billy Preston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plays piano on Get Back. So anyway, we Mississippi River Festival over in SIUE. Yeah. Uh live outdoor shows. Saw everybody out there. In fact, they would give us a yearly pass. That's awesome. Which is hysterical because the lawn seats were two bucks. So this <laughs> pass was worth maybe forty bucks total. But we would go over and the band, the headlining band that I wanted to see was Rare Earth. Rare Earth was the first white band that signed on Motown Records, wow. which was a black I didn't label. Know that. Yeah. And so um we go over and I'm 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 taking a young lady, it's not one it my wife Fern oh it was my before God. that. And we get over and we go to Miss, uh, Mississippi River Festival and it was ninety-nine and nine tenths percent black yeah. and a couple of, you know. And and the people were great, couldn't have been better. So somehow I'd actually gotten tickets under the tent. They had a big tent, and then you could sit up on the on the, uh, the hillside. So I get on the uh, tent, we go down there, and I, I didn't even realize who Billy Preston was. And he comes out, and he, he had a couple of songs called That's the Way God Made It. That's the Way God. He's had a couple of great songs, and he was the best performer I've ever seen. I mean, he was just, and I'm like, hmm. you know, it's, it's 10,000 black people, and me and my date. Yeah. And we're all grooving with one another. Beautiful. I, I've never danced that much. I'm not a dancer. And I'm just getting down, and, and we're high-fiving, and people are losing their mind. And I, I had the best time, and like, rare earth comes on, I'm exhausted. Yeah, you know, you're I'm, at sitting, home. I'm really, I'm pooped. <laughs> you know, so it's, but it was just... Such a great night, and I had no I had no idea who Billy Preston was, but he's he toured with Clapton. Interesting. Uh, he's just uh, he was kind of considered. He passed away a couple years ago. He was considered the fifth Beatle because he's in all that electric keyboard stuff yeah. the Beatles use later on. And it was one of the biggest. And it still sticks. And that was probably good. God, that was probably like. Forty four years ago.
0: So do you you brought up Fern and Beener is your daughter and Mm -hmm. you've always been very discreet about their personal info, which I've always liked. I I like that you've been able to do that for your whole time being married to Fern and having Beener. You know, I I think a lot of people it it adds to curiosity because they're like. He's not using the real uh-huh. alias. Although a lot of alias. people
1: a lot of people do. A lot of pe- people come up to my wife, go, Hey Fern, how are you? And they think that's her real name, which is fine. Yeah. But I like to draw there's my, my business life and my private life. Totally. And they don't have a choice on that, you know, because of it. And it's like, well, you know, that's your decision. I did one time. Fern went with me one time. For an appearance a million years ago to St. Genevieve mm. and we did like a dance on a Saturday night out in St. <laughs> Gene. pardon me, and we get out there and she had never really gone on an appearance with me before and we're sitting there and somebody goes, you know, and she was kind of, they go, is that, is that Fern? And I go, yeah, And Fern, Fern, Fern. And they all start chanting and Amazing. she's like really nervous and they go, they come back get him!" So she walks up to the mic and you tell she's really nervous. She's not in this business. She goes, hi everybody. And they go nuts. I couldn't get her off the mic. Oh, I mean, she's just she like, was she goes, "Go sit down." Hey, everybody, how you doing? And she goes and <laughs> did forty five minutes of stand up, the whole nine yards. Wow. That was her. It was her big she claim of, So much fun. Oh, she just ham boned it up and went crazy. Uh, Beaner, my daughter. Obviously, her name's not Beaner um
0: why do you call her beaner where did that nickname i I
1: just because i guess when she was born she looked like a little bean you know a little small and stuff like that and so (laughs) in fact even in high school or or when she played sports her jersey said beaner on it because it used to be it was baby beaner yeah and then she you know she goes all right you can call me beaner but you got to drop the baby part she's 29 so (laughs) there's still some of her friends that call her beaner but yeah i like to you know um and, and you know, it, what do they say? Like, you know, 1% of the people cause 99% of the problems. So, right. you know, let them be private. Let them, you know, um, back in the day before when you didn't have unlisted phone numbers. I remember, you know, way back when getting a phone call like 2 in the morning and they looked up, got my number in the phone book and go, hey, man, when you get back on the air tomorrow, could oh you play God. some Ted Nugent? I'm like, Yeah. Next yeah. phone call was Southwestern, let's change to an unlisted number. It's
0: so funny yeah. that there are, and that's a very minimal amount of people that-
1: Minimal, minimal. That,
0: that step yes. over the bounds exactly. of professionalism. Exactly. But like, I mean, I had a situation, I don't like to say names or anything because I don't like to conjure, but, you know, I had a listener show up at my house one time. Oh, yeah? And it was terrifying. Because yes. it was like, you felt so um, like- scene like it was just your you know right like you said your private life is your private life and your professional life is your professional life and you know tim everybody knows tim tim's been on the air tim is in my photos and he but i think it's because he works in this business that he understands it if he if i would have been married to somebody that isn't in this business i would probably be doing the exact same thing that you've done where it's like i you know and everybody's essentially their comfort preferences differ all of us but i i definitely when i'm at home i want to be at home like Absolutely. I don't tell like we moved into our house. I didn't tell our neighbors that live down our street because they are totally our demographic for right. Kishi. Right. I never told them. I lied to them about what I did uh-huh. <laughs> for like the first year. Really? And then they then they eventually found out and most of them were really great about yeah. it. But yeah. I you know, I told them I'm like, I don't want to talk about music right. or John or you know, I I wanna come home and be at home and be completely normal at home right so. because
1: it is your home and that's where you go as a respite to get away from it yeah. and again reiterating 99 99% of 99.9 of the people Are rock solid, and when they come and they go, hey, I don't want to bother you. Absolutely not, man. And they'll they'll go. What was that closest cut above you played? Are you remember that time where you did my cousin's wedding? Are you did? I love hearing that stuff, man. I'm I'm a born and bred guy from St. Louis, and the fact that those people are still hanging around and still listening to me, thank you very much. You got a lot of choices out there to go down the road, especially now with, you know, all all the the different online stuff, yeah, and everything. So no, it's those people, and like I said, I don't think. I never, I've never, ever had a problem. Never, ever had a problem. Over the years, anybody being harassing or, or just, you know. You
0: know, you know. had to play Misty for me moment where.
1: No, I, I uh, the one point we did, uh, I went and did a uh, an appearance on at Rusty Springs, which is right at the corner of Kings Highway, Manchester. And it was a club. Mama's Pride used to play there all the time. Rusty Springs. So I go down, this is in the Casey days, doing mornings. And again, I'm with my buddy Jim Singer. Uh, who Always. Uh, always. Um, and he was doing overnights in case, you know. And I go down and we go walking in the bar and he goes a separate way and he goes, he comes in, he goes, hey, close, you need to see this. I go, wait, a minute, I'm talking. He goes, no, 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 you really need to see this. I go, Jim, leave me alone. I'm busy. He goes, come with me. And he grabs me <laughs> and pulls it over. And there's a gal, how I didn't know, wearing a t shirt with my picture on the front of it. And that Where was.
0: Where can I get that shirt?
1: I was a little bit, that was like, uh, okay. <laughs> and she was just like, you know. Kind of just, I guess, a big fan of some, and and even that was harmless and stuff, but it was just, it's a little unnerving when you first see it, like, what the hell is all that about? I'm going to
0: make a new Learnline item with your face. Absolutely. It's going to be the Mark Close psycho shirt. Yes.
1: (laughs) 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 And you can wear it down to Rusty Springs once they reopen. So, man, I'm definitely showing my age back in the day of the, the clubs, but yeah, so, but for the, for the majority of the people, they're, they're cool. Yeah. yeah, they're just they just want to they want to say hello, and I think uh, they want to talk music. Everybody wants to talk music. Everybody is the greatest program director that ever lived. Everybody's got a you know my music is great, yours is crap. It's crap. You, yeah, and it's I love getting into those conversations. Say like you know when I get on, Clapton's <laughs> the greatest guitar player. Oh, my God, you would have think I insulted someone's mother. Like, what are you insane? And they start going nuts. And I love that. It's it's a fun discussion. Doesn't hurt anybody. It's just, and you should. You should have the, your favorites and be able to defend them and, you know, be open to other stuff. But. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's fun. I, to me, that's worth talking about. Forget about politics, uh, economy. Let's talk music.
0: Well, thank you for enduring this. Do you have anything else you want to say on record? Since this will be the only thing that exists in a hundred years. Probably put it it?
1: it in my time capsule. Um, (laughs) No, no, you're, you're more than welcome. Thank you for being here. Uh, uh, As I've said before, I think you are the future of this radio station. Um, You know, you do excellent work, um, when I came back to Casey, if it wasn't for her, I'd 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 be playing eight tracks. I'd be playing LPs. People would probably
0: like that though. This.
1: Yeah, probably. But it was I I'm looking at this computers, so I'm like, no. I think the first day you had me on, I the song was on the air. I took it right off. You go, That's okay, it's all right. I go, Well, they only heard half of it, so away it went.
0: You are somebody who adapts very well to whatever surrounding and I think that's that's a key to your longevity in this business could Mark. be
1: yeah sometimes you got to move around and kind of change and stuff although you know as I stated earlier I hate change you know I want it to be the way that it is and it's right. you know my daughter just harasses the hell out of me I got a phone you know it's an iphone but it's seven years old you would think I was using orange juice cans and a string right. she's like well, oh, for, yeah for the love of god I mean <laughs> don't you know and I'm like but if I get that there's going to be the learning curve, right. and I got to figure out, and I still, I, you know, I was trying to do a, uh, put uh, what is it, an app, trying to put an app in, and, and, and Beaner's going, what's your password? And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I did from six years ago. How the hell would I remember my password? You need to get
0: one of those. I bought John one of these. Yes. They're a little book. You get them at yep. Office Depot. And put it, and I've got it. All I'm, of it. I'm
1: starting to do it. I had to go back to the Apple store and have the guy unlock it for me. <laughs> And he's just looking at me and goes, Hey, dinosaur, sit down there, you know, Fred Flintstone. So,
0: as you can tell, he's fabulous, so warm and lovely to talk with. Even if you don't know him personally, he's like that. And I think that's a gift. Not all of us in the business of radio can still keep our personality going in real life, right? I think it's a skill and Mark hones that very well. And you can tell that he practices it because he wants people to have that full radio experience of him. And I just love that he cares about people enough to be able to do that because some people just don't care. you know. Some people are just like, nose up in the air, have no time for you, da, 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 da. And I think that plays to their demise a bit. So I've tried to adopt so much from Mark and all of the mentors in this business that I've gotten to know through time, most of them men, which is interesting. But I think that Mark's quirkiness, his ability to talk to anyone, and just the warmth, he's just a warm person. And he probably wouldn't use that word to describe him, but I do. And in so many ways, he's been kind of like a father figure in certain times for me and definitely always a confidant. I have talked to Mark many times about very hard things uh, in my life or career and he's always given me really substantial advice that helps me and he always double checks on me again and so I feel like he really genuinely gives a shit <laughs> which is which is also rare. Some people don't care about others. So uh, he's the best and may his legacy of St. Louis Radio live on forever especially with this podcast. So my next episode should be out on the 6th of July. Wow, crazy that this year is flying by and we've done nothing, right? I have no idea at this moment in time who it's going to be so it'll be Mystery guest, which should intrigue you very much. But I promise to make it happen, and uh, I believe it will be a female. As we try to go back and forth between the sexes, I, I usually say male and female. I understand it's it's a bit more in depth than that these days. I'm not trying to not say that. Uh, LGBTQ, non-binary. Everybody, I'm down with all of it. Maybe that's what I need. I don't think I. we've not had a uh, LGBTQ plus person on this podcast. How dare me? I will be working on that in the future as well. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. You can listen to Mark on KC95 from 10 to 2. And I do hope that wherever you are in the world that you are well and that you will rate and review this podcast and share it especially if you have somebody that knows Mark and maybe hasn't heard him this long form in a while. They probably get a kick out of that. So thank you for being here. Continue wellness for everyone. Be safe. Peace.